You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Hello, everyone. A little change for you this morning in the form of me and uh, also a slightly shorter talk. We realise that a number of you are finding screen time a bit tiring, a bit tricky, so we've decided to go with a slightly shorter talk and we really hope that that will be a blessing to you. I'm going to launch straight in this morning and start by saying that I realise a number of you probably feel that you need a bit of respite from talking about the coronavirus all the time. But the reality is, is that it does dominate the landscape, so it would probably be a bit strange if we didn't reflect on it just a little bit. Concerns and questions continue to surround us all. Believe me, I have lots of thoughts and opinions. But as followers of Jesus, our hearts and our minds can be reassured by the steadying words that we read in Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Nothing we ever face is outside of his attention. What I intend to share with you this morning may lead you to think that I'm speaking about this purely in response to the current situation we are facing and living through. Yes, it will be relevant, but what I'm going to talk about is universal. It's timeless truth that stretches across the breadth and depth of our lives and beyond ourselves to a world that sits beyond this one. If you don't know me, I'm Steph and I lead Manchester Vineyard with Paul, who I also get to be married to. We have two lovely daughters and alongside working and keeping them happy and safe, I've also been trying to teach them something meaningful over these last few weeks of being off school, uh, but mostly having fun. I know many people who feel that they are falling short of the mark. I have friends who are actual teachers who are now homeschooling their own children and even they are finding it a struggle. It can be a hard slog but I'm reminding myself that first and foremost I'm trying to show my children Jesus. Their formal formal education may look different or very different, slightly non-existent even for a while but we have amazing opportunities for discipleship at the moment. I really want the girls to remember this as a time um, that they really enjoyed Uh, with months off school and time to play and create and explore. I also want to take the opportunity to to teach them what it looks like to respond in times like this with faith and courage and compassion. Don't hear me wrong though. That makes it sound like we are living some sort of idyllic situation. Trust me, we all have our moments. But I just wanted to, to say that to hopefully take the pressure off a little for those that are feeling it rather than piling it on. Right, back to the point. I am such a big fan of Jesus. I literally love everything about him. One of my go-to anchoring verses is found in John's Gospel, 16, 33, where, where Jesus says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Worries, troubles, pain, suffering will always be part of our lives. But the good news is, is that we have an answer to all of this. And the answer is Jesus. He has overcome the world. There is no greater triumph, no greater comfort. 
In Jesus, we find meaning and purpose. We find unfathomable peace and, and unending joy. We can fully trust in Jesus and in his legacy. And it's his glorious legacy that I want to spend a bit of time reflecting on this morning. So if you have a Bible nearby, why don't you turn with me to John chapter 14. And in verses 1 to 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples when he says this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This conversation with the disciples happened on the night before Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. He had predicted his betrayal by Judas. He had predicted his denial by Peter and told the disciples he'd soon be going away, going back to be with the Father. All of this prompted questions about where Jesus was going and why it was that they couldn't follow him where he was going. Clearly the disciples didn't think they knew what Jesus said they knew. Like us, the disciples, disciples tended to think first in terms of this world, time and space. So going must mean physically moving from one place to another. Thomas expressed this by asking, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? The disciples wanted to know the next step, the next turn, the ultimate destination, where this journey of faith would lead them. I can certainly identify with that, wanting direction. There is so much uncertainty that surrounds us at the moment, it's hard. Jesus replied to Thomas's question by saying this, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus' response shows that the destination is not a physical place but a person, the Father, and that the way to that destination is through another person, the Son. Jesus said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Jesus is fully trustworthy and he passes on to us an amazing legacy. One to live by, one to, love, one to die by. He is the way, the truth and the life. What an invitation, a revelation and a promise all rolled into one. Simply put, Jesus has opened the way for us to know God. As the way, Jesus is our path to the Father. When Jesus says he is the only way to God the Father, some people may argue that this is a bit narrow or even exclusive or boastful. Often people are satisfied on their own or just refuse on principle to examine Jesus' claims or perhaps they deny their lostness or convince themselves that there must be several valid ways besides Jesus to get to God. But Christians did not invent the claim. Jesus himself made the claim. In reality, it is wide enough for the whole world. If the world chooses to accept it, more specifically, if we choose to accept what Jesus said, instead of tripping over how limited or restrictive it sounds to only have one way, 
we should probably be thanking God for providing a sure way to get to him. Right, this is a tenuous link, but bear with me. Think back to the days before sat-navs. Planning out a journey was quite the performance. If you're traveling with someone, it was quite fun because you were either reading the map or you were being guided helpfully by the person reading the map. But if you were on a journey on your own, especially on a long or complex journey, it was a whole different story. You'd have to get that big old AA map out, work out your route, then get loads of post-it notes, write out the directions on the post-it notes, then stick the post-it notes to the dashboard or the sun visor or both, depending on how long the journey. You could only hope that the order of the post-it notes and their stickiness remained intact for the duration of the journey. On the occasion when one or a few, a few of them blew off in the wind, which could easily happen because this was pre-aircon days, you know, so you had to have the window open on the, on the motorway, who knew? If that happened, if they blew off, it was a level 10 crisis. When sat-navs were invented, it honestly revolutionized car journeys. You just tapped in the route and off you went. A helpful voice guiding the way, recalculating routes to avoid roadblocks, optimizing route efficiency, and massively reducing in-car disputes and tension about the best way to go. So when Jesus says he is the way, surely this is excellent news. We know exactly where to go to find our entire life purpose. Jesus is both God and man, knowing intimately our experience and our needs. He is the way, not just an example or a road sign. He is our guide with dependable directions and powerful protection. Our personal relationship with Jesus links us to God. Our response should be to follow his guidance, trusting his ability to lead us and to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Do you feel unsettled at the moment? Uprooted perhaps? Life as we knew it has certainly shifted. Our circumstances, finances, emotional stability in many cases has been rocked. But he, Jesus, is the way. He is the one we look to for all that is ahead and all that is unknown. He isn't just the way to God, but he also teaches us and reveals to us the way to live. He is the way in every sense of the word. When Jesus called his first followers from among the fishermen, tax collectors and zealots in Galilee, what did he teach them? He didn't just tell them that he would die for their sins so that they could gain an eternal life in heaven. No. He called them to follow him in a more authentic and fulfilling life that would eventually change the world by establishing love, compassion, peace and justice. He didn't teach his disciples a traditional belief system. No, instead he led them to a committed life of faith and servanthood. It wasn't a promise of a glorious and easygoing future. It was about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God here on earth among the poor and outcast of our society. Jesus called people to follow him in a way of living. Following Jesus calls us to become troublemakers in a peacemaker kind of way, revolutionaries, seekers of change and transformation for justice and reconciliation in the world. 
no small task, but it's the way of Jesus. In this life, we are tasked with simply knowing and trusting in Jesus daily and walking in faith that he is the way. This doesn't always feel simple though, does it? But it is simply the only and the best way. What does that look like for you right now? To follow Jesus. I chose to follow Jesus here in Manchester over 20 years ago and I'm so glad I did. Best decision of my life by far. Over the years life hasn't always been easy. There have been glorious highs, many of them, many blessings, but also some pretty crushing blows. Debilitating and ongoing health issues, financial uncertainty, job insecurity, loss and grief, loneliness, overwhelming sadness. But Jesus has always pointed the way. He is the way. I think a time like this, when so much is stripped away, so many of the things that would give us a lift or bring us comfort, we are presented with an opportunity to review our lives, the state of our minds and the posture of our hearts. There are loads of things that I miss at the moment, going out for coffees, having dinners out with friends or just dinners in with friends, cinema trips, all of which I fully intend to reinstate when I can, as well as visiting family and also being at church with all of you. I desperately miss being together on a Sunday and I can't wait to get back together. There are loads of things we can't do or attend at the moment, but our relationship with Jesus can remain unchanged and hopefully it will deepen and strengthen in this time. I can still follow him and plan on doing so for the rest of my life. When he called the disciples, he didn't say, attend me. He said, follow me. He says the same to us. We are to follow him and follow his ways. And we can do that wherever we are, whatever our circumstances. What does it mean for you to follow Jesus at the moment? So he is the way and he is also the truth. Jesus can testify to the truth and teach the truth because he himself is the truth. In him there is nothing false, nothing misleading and nothing fake or uncertain. We are capable of knowing truth but none of us can claim to be truth. There are too many things that we don't know and too many things that we get wrong, we get wrong throughout our lives. The words of John 1 1 set the stage for this very fact. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. In this sentence, John is proclaiming Jesus as the word. He is the beginning and culmination of all that has been true throughout eternity. And that to seek the truth ultimately leads us to seek him. When we're trying to figure out what is true and what's not, we can measure it against the words of Jesus, who is the truth. God's word is true and it says in John 1.14 that the word became human and made his home among us. So the truth is the life of Jesus, which is to be manifested in us as we are transformed into the image of Christ. Jesus is our source of intimate knowledge of the Father. His answers, teaching and commands were right. No shadow of dishonesty, falsehood or lying were in his life. He is the reality of all God promised. Our response should be to believe in him, 
and to put into practice what he taught. In a season where truth is questioned, where news is conflicting, where global political leaders often seem to speak out misleading and confusing information, when we ourselves might have doubts, wrestles, fears over the challenges that we face, it's in the arms and in the face of Jesus that we find truth. Truth brings security and truth builds trust. It is truth that sets us free from the strangleholds and lies that occupy our minds and our troubled hearts. So Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus gives us life both now and eternally. His life provides the surest model for our own. He promises to join his life to ours. He wants us to live life in all its fullness, now and forever. He longs for us to live lives that reflect and point towards a glory beyond itself, for which we were always purposed and designed. A deposit of the future is available now, an expression of heaven on earth revealed to our hearts and minds now. Life that breathes hope and perspective, life that lifts us above our day-to-day -day struggles and challenges, life that breathes motivation and encouragement, the very breath of God in our lungs enables, enables us to live and rise and overcome. As we read earlier, Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for us. And this suggests that after we have completed the journey of this life, we will find ourselves in a place where the Father is. This life is to be lived well, but it's not our ultimate goal and does not encompass the entirety of who we are. This life is a mere drop in the ocean. We can slow it down, we can spend money, we can spend time, energy working to fight against it, but we can't stop it from marching forward. We are to live this life in such a way that we are not chasing the things that don't last, but chasing the things that do last and have eternal significance. Living with this perspective will have an eternal impact on us and those around us. When Jesus refers to himself as the way, the truth and the life, he is giving us a better way to live our lives through him. He shows us that through following him daily, he will lead us to a better, richer, more meaningful life than we could ever find on our own. In Jesus, our long-term future is totally secure. This is an extraordinary legacy and promise for those that choose to accept it. But how is it all possible? The way in which Jesus passes on his legacy to us is through the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 14, 16 and 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The Holy Spirit is our counsellor, advocate, comforter, encourager and helper. Someone who stands alongside us and walks with us. The Holy Spirit lives in us to give us strength and love so that we, the church, can continue the mission of Jesus to the world. Jesus had thought it through very carefully and came up with a great succession plan. I said yes to Jesus all those years ago and on a daily basis, I continue to say yes to him and I'm so glad. I have chosen to follow Jesus and I'm determined to embrace him as the way, the truth and the life in this current season and well beyond. My hope is that, we'll, that I will come out of lockdown changed, ideally for the better. More patient, more responsive to the spirit, 
more generous, more selfless, more disciplined. So many areas to grow in. The troubled heart, the settled heart, the doubting heart or the hopeful heart. Whatever state we find ourselves in, our hearts need to remember that Jesus is everything. He is the way, the truth and the life. As the way, Jesus is our path to the Father. As the truth, he is the reality of all God's promises. And as the life, he joins his divine life to ours, both now and eternally. Jesus' encouraging words came just before the cross. And there we find further comfort, not only in its saving power, but also in its demonstration of divine love. He is for us and he is with us. How will you respond to him? Let's pray. Let's spend some time in the presence of God. And let's invite the Holy Spirit. Paul's just going to join me. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you.